Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Well, I'm here with Sherry Snyder, who is a part of the Baptist Home in Arcadia Valley. And uh, Sherry, if you could just share a little bit about yourself. I know you have a degree in a master's in social work that I'm sure is helpful towards the position that you have right now. If you could just help our audience to understand a little bit about you, about what you do, and and how that degree might help you as well. Thank you, Andy. Well, I was born and raised in Ironton, Missouri, um, where the Baptist Home is located here in the beautiful Arcadia Valley. I went and received my master's degree from St. Louis University. I have always loved old people, and the opportunity to serve at the Baptist Home, it was a great fit. In fact, as I was in school, I had opportunity to be in other social settings, such as um, the mental health system, the prison system, uh, the school system, uh, the neonatal unit of a hospital. And, And in those systems, I found that my calling was truly with old people. As, as I was in, for example, the neonatal unit of a hospital, I was emotionally paralyzed. All I could do was stand there and cry. Uh, when I was in the prison system, I was paralyzed by fear. Okay. But when I'm with old people, I love old people. They are funny, they are wise, and it is such a, they are just such a joy to be with. Wonderful. So uh, how did your degree, uh, master's in social work, kind of help you to prepare? You you kind of uh, shared different settings that that put you in, but what maybe related to the studies itself may have helped you find that calling that you you have? When I came to work at the Baptist Home, I had very few college hours. I was encouraged by my mentor, Joy Goodwin, who was the the wife of the current administrator. She encouraged me to go to school. She encouraged me to go into social work. Um, and as part of that, that, I just kind of grew up at the Baptist home and social work just was a great fit for my work with geriatrics and with the residents of the Baptist home. Okay. So you've been there a long time, you said. Um, you don't need to give the years necessarily, but what, what have you seen as changes uh, in your time since you became a part of the Baptist Home, not only from a school perspective, but as you became more full, a full-time person on staff? You know, I think the greatest change that I have seen is when we shifted from a being, being a medical model, where we focused on uh, the physical needs, the physical care of the residents of the Baptist home to their emotional needs, their psychosocial needs, their spiritual needs. Not that we didn't focus on that before, but when you focus on the physical aspects, sometimes the other things take a back seat. And one of the things that I've seen is that with aging comes losses. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily the loss itself that is the problem, but it's how we cope with the loss. If I may give you an example of that. I had two ladies um, about the same time they experienced a similar loss. Both of them very suddenly lost their vision. Okay. One of them, 
she could picture in her mind's eye, let's say, the clothes in her closet. And the staff would come in and say, what would you like to wear today? She said, I'd like to wear the blue outfit. And she could picture that in her mind's eye. She managed to learn to count the steps to the dining room. And she could go from her room to the dining room unassisted. And she adapted to that loss. Hmm. The other lady, who actually uh, was more physically functional, she sat down in her chair in her room, and she died hmm. because she couldn't cope. And so, again, it is not the physical loss or, or the physical care that is really of primary importance, but it's how we cope with that and, and the way that the staff now acknowledge those things and, and, and look at ways to help the residents uh, deal with the losses that they're experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an important part of, of ministry. And obviously the Baptist home is a ministry. As you said, it's not just the, the physical uh, health aspect. It, it is truly a ministry. So, um, well, well, that, that answer really kind of leads into our main topic uh, for today. And that is the idea of providing our, our listeners with an understanding of a couple of different approaches to therapy. Um, uh, validation therapy and reality orientation. So would you mind by uh, just beginning to describe each, maybe define each one, start with, uh, with validation therapy, for instance. We can start with reality orientation. Or we can start with reality orientation. You can go either way. <laughs> I'm in a lot of facilities. As I, as I go around the state, as people make application to the Baptist home, I go in a number of facilities to visit residents or potential residents who have made application. And frequently I have seen on the wall a sign that says, we practice reality orientation here. Please remind our residents that today is Tuesday, September the 8th, 2020, that Donald Trump is the president. The season is summer. The next holiday is Halloween. Their goal is to reorient older adults who are experiencing dementia or disorientation. That is their goal. But if somebody is disoriented, my question is, do they really care that Donald Trump is the president? Do they really care that the next, ho the next holiday is Halloween? I believe what they really care about is, was I a good mother? Mm. My son never comes to see me. Was I a good mother? I think instead of facing facts, they are more interested in focusing on feelings and resolution of unfinished business from the past. Validation, on the other hand, acknowledges those feelings. In fact, instead of focusing on facts, validation focuses on feelings. Some of the principles of validation are that there is a reason for all behavior, 
that we are all valuable in the eyes of God. We're all unique. Let me let me start with an, another kind of thing. Okay, We're talking okay. about validation focuses on feelings rather than facts. Reality orientation focuses on the facts. And so let's say, for example, that you have Mrs. Smith. And let's say Mrs. Smith is 85 years old. And Mrs. Smith is looking for her mother. And she says to you, honey, have you seen my mother? I'm looking for her. She's supposed to be coming to get me. Have you seen her? If I were using reality orientation, I would say something like this. Now, Mrs. Smith, remember, you're 85 years old, and you live here at the Baptist home. And I hate to tell you, but your mom died a long time ago. But it's okay, because she's in heaven, and she's happy, and you'll see her soon. That is... That would be reality orientation. As kindly as I say that, if you put your, yourself in Mrs. Smith's place and you're hearing for what in her mind is the first time that her mother has died, mm -hmm. that would be very upsetting. That, that would be the truth, that it would be upsetting. I could say something like, well, you know, Mrs. Smith, your mom called and she's running a few hours late. She'll be here. In a couple of hours, why don't we go play bingo? You could use distraction. But what I just said was a lie. Mm -hmm. Mom's not coming. Her mom didn't call, and her mom's not coming. We don't want to lie because we want to develop a trusting relationship. And I cannot build a trusting relationship built on lies. If I were using validation, though, I would say something like this. It sounds like you miss your mom. Tell me about her. Was she a good mom? What kind of things did you and she used to do together? What was the greatest lesson your mom ever taught you? Hmm. And we're going to talk about mom because... Using empathy, if we put ourselves in Mrs. Smith's place, she is missing her mom. Once she gets to talk about mom, then that anxiety is reduced. It's a much kinder and gentler approach. You know, which, which would be the better approach, using reality orientation or validation? I say, I, I say that we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ. As we, as we care for others, as we minister to others, whether it's at the Baptist home or wherever it is, as we care and minister to others, we are to be the hands and feet of Christ. And if Christ were the one dealing with, let's say, Mrs. Smith, I believe he would do it with gentleness and compassion and dignity and respect, mm. and, and in ways that um, are not harsh, he would not speak, even, even if he were saying it gently, 
to to tell somebody that their mother has died to that kind of that kind of reality is harsh and i don't think he would do that that's a that's a very very good word and a very helpful example i think to uh, many i know myself as a pastor sherry uh going to nursing homes and and several of the members one in particular that's going through my mind right now, but several over the years that that have uh, advanced dementia or whatever, and, and having that conversation over and over again, as you know, and, and I know, you know, the the, the children of, of that mother, uh, you know, th- this is helping me even to understand why I might do some of the things or how I can do some of those things better. So I, I greatly appreciate that for all those that listen. You know, some of the things that I would, I would say, you know, you, you talk about how sometimes they repeat themselves, they ask the same questions over and over again. I, be, I believe that when they do that, when people do that, there's a reason that they're doing that. I think there is something that is significant about what it is they're telling you if they repeat it over and over again, if they ask the same question over and over again. And so when that happens, I would probably ask it or answer it in a different way or ask a question about that. That was an important time in your life. Tell me about that. Well, you've already kind of covered where I was thinking about going next, but let me have you drill down on this a little bit, if you don't mind, Sherry. The idea of the difference between reality orientation and validation therapy, you obviously believe that one is better than the other. And that is influenced by your biblical mindset. So why why does a biblical mindset? You talked about truth uh, being a part of that. You talked about Jesus, but but maybe drill down a little bit further on that as to how that helps to validate the individual. That that uh, ego integrity. You mentioned psychosocial and the idea of you know Erickson's final stage was ego integrity versus despair. Uh, so how does how does the validation therapy help in that aspect more than say uh, the reality orientation? Validation recognizes the need for resolution. In the final stage of life, the task is resolution, wrapping up unfinished business. Um, I have seen people intentionally do that, that we're not, disoriented. They, they knew that they were terminally ill and they intentionally set about to wrap up unfinished business, to resolve conflicts, to seek and give forgiveness. When people are disoriented, it takes on a different flavor in that they, they are not as intentional about it. It does need to happen. This is a task that needs to happen, but they might go about it in a way that is unconventional, depending on their level of disorientation. The the process, the task of, of resolution is going to take on a different appearance in that they might use, for example, um, objects, or body parts to represent items or people or situations from the past. They can't just say things as you and I would say them. 
they have to find a way to be able to express that need of resolution. Hmm. It's a very interesting process. It's, it's just very interesting to, to experience. So does, does science, and you can put science however you want to in this, but as people have tried out these various modes of therapy or orientation, um, does one suggest that one, that one is more effective than another? I mean, obviously you have a bent towards one because of your biblical mindset, but what is, what is any kind of testing, any kind of methodology uh, and procedural testing, what is that showing on behalf of these kinds of therapies? I don't have any scientific data. I have personal experience data. So if I may give you an example of my personal experience data. Absolutely. One day I come upon a situation where a resident had gathered up all of her belongings and she was leaving. And I said to her, it looks like you're having a bad day. I need to get home to my parents. Just like that, I went to a time in my mind when I was 10 years old. And I was so homesick. They couldn't do anything with me. They finally had to take me home because all I did was cry. And so I said to her, I said, it's a terrible feeling to be homesick, isn't it? Yes. I said, are you homesick? Yes. I need to get home to my parents. I said, well, it sounds like you love and miss them very much. I do, she said. I have a picture of them right in there, and she points to a room. I said, would you show me? She takes me to her room. We sit on her bed, and we look at pictures. It took me one minute to get her from leaving to sitting on her bed, showing me pictures, and The situation was over. Hmm. But imagine how that scenario would have played out if I would have said to her, you can't go home. You live here now. Your parents have died. You live here. You can't go home. I'm going to tell you, Andy, what would have happened. Somebody would have been hurt. Hmm. And that somebody would have been me. Because if I would have blocked that door, she was going to mow me down and, and leave. Let me give you another example. Anyway, here's, this is a beautiful example. I got a million stories. <laughs> As I was leaving one day, I looked out the window and I saw a lady standing outside with the nurse that was working her floor. And the nurse looks up at me. She sees me looking at them, but she doesn't appear to be in distress. So I walk on. I want to go home. I'm headed for home. It's late in the afternoon. I'm headed home. And as I passed by the door that they had gone out, I just felt this tugging that I need to go outside. I wanted to go home, but I was being pulled outside. So I set down my things and I went outside. And I said to the resident, I said, it looks like you're having a bad day. She said, I am. I just learned that my son has died. 
And if there is any breath left in me at all, I am going to go to him to console him. I said, well, that's what any good mother would do. Well, she doesn't understand that, mm-hmm. pointing to the nurse. I said, well, would you like me to ask her to leave? Yes. So the nurse leaves. And I said to her, I said, so how are you going to get there? And she said, well, I have a car. And she starts walking towards some of the vehicles because we're out in the parking lot. But she makes no attempt to get in one. So finally I said, and this really isn't validation, but I was flying by the seat of my pants. And I said, well, what if we call your other son to verify this information? I think that is a good idea. So we go back in the building. And we go to her room. And it's, we walk into her room, and on the table in her room is the book that you sign it when you go to a funeral. It's the sign-in book. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is from her husband's funeral. And she's looking at every page. She turns every page and is looking at it, reading every page. When she got to the page where, where everybody signed in, she said, these are all the people that we know. I said, they are, you're right. And it finally dawned on me, this, this situation was over, it had passed. And I said to her, I said, well, since you're okay, is it okay if I come back and see you tomorrow? She said, I'm okay? I said, yeah, you're okay. And here's what she said that was so beautiful so insightful in her disorientation she said these young people who think they are out to save the world don't understand that arguing only makes the hurt go Mm. deep Mm. whenever you use reality orientation generally that's what you're going to be doing because they are they are focused on feelings and you are insisting that they face the facts. When you argue, you lose. You lose every time. Because even if you think you win the argument, you've lost the relationship. Yeah. That's a that's a great word, Sherry. That's great. Well, I appreciate the stories and, and your answers to these questions. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Uh, perhaps something that I haven't asked that you you would just beg me to ask at this time, rather than me asking, you just you just present it for us. Another word that I do want to talk about is fixing. We want as as caregivers as children, adult children of aging parents, we want to fix people. We want to take care of them and we want to fix them. There's a couple of problems with that. Number one, we cannot change the losses associated with aging. Hmm. I can't take those away. I can't change those. I can't fix mom. 
I have had numerous adult children in my office wanting to fix mom. And mom can't be fixed. Not only can we not fix mom, mom really doesn't want to be fixed. She doesn't want to be set straight. You know what she wants? She wants her feelings to be acknowledged. She doesn't realize she needs to be fixed. Right. She doesn't know. She doesn't realize she needs to be fixed. She doesn't want to be fixed. She wants to be accepted and understood. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to ask me? Anything that you think needs more clarification or? Sure. I think this has been helpful for me. I mean, I've been a pastor for many years, uh, but like your brother, not your engineering brother, not with that IQ, but uh, the analytical mind that both of your brothers seem to have, that's, that's in my nature. So, you know, I, I've learned by trial and error. Thankfully, the Lord has allowed me to learn with people who don't have dementia and I've been able to put, you know, kind of transfer that into an idea. But as far as the idea of reality orientation, I see that on the nursing homes, uh, the the residential centers and stuff that I go into. I see those boards, you know, right on. Yes, the yeah. Uh, everywhere, and, and, and I didn't understand care. the purpose of it. And they, don't, you know, the, the the residents they don't care. Right. They don't. They don't care what today is. If they don't ask me what today is, I don't tell them what today is. I figure they don't want to know. There you go. I, whatever they ask me, I tell them. I had a lady one time. I, I knew her my whole life. Um, she always could call me by name. But she could not remember that her husband had died. And every now and then she would say, have you seen Lee? I would say, no, I haven't. It sounds like you miss him. I do. And one day she asked me on her own, she said, have you seen Lee? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I haven't. And she said, you know, did he, did he pass? And I said, I am sorry to tell you, but yes, he did. And I thought her answer was beautiful when she said, well, you know, I know if he, if he could have helped it, he wouldn't have done that. Because really what she's saying is we loved each other so much that if he could have helped it, he would still be here with me. Hmm. I want to tell you another story. Please. I, I had a lady here. She lived to be 104. When she was 103, she was in the beauty shop. We were getting ready for her birthday party. She was in the beauty shop getting her hair done, and I was in there painting her fingernails. She never knew how old she was. She, she was a beautiful example of how our soul is ageless. And so in the, while we were getting her ready in the beauty shop, I said, today is your birthday party. Hmm. how old are you going to be on your birthday? She said, 13. <laughs> 13. Now, I could have said, oh, no, you're 103. Isn't that wonderful? 
and I didn't do that. What I asked her was, what do you like about being 13? Asking her that question did not say that she was 13. It didn't say she wasn't 13. I asked her, what do you like about being 13? And her answer was so beautiful. She said, everybody loves little girls. Hmm. Who wants to be 103, living in a nursing home with no family, when you can be 13 and everybody love you? Hmm. Not my place to take that away from her. It's okay. If she wants to be 13, that's okay. I didn't say she was. I didn't say she wasn't. I allowed her to be where she wanted to be. I accepted her where she was without argument. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful example. That's, in fact, that's a great way to end, uh, honestly, just to, just to let this uh, soak in for everybody. Mm-hmm. But as we do that, though, Sherry, I, I do want to ask, uh, obviously, uh, you are the administrator for the home there at, at Arcadia and, and for the Baptist home. Um, there are needs, there are concerns that you have individually that you have for uh, your part of the organization. What are some of those? Obviously, there will be many people who pray uh, that, will, that will watch and listen to this. Uh, what are some things that you would share to the audience today that say, you know, if if you wanted to take a few moments to pray today or for the rest of this week or every day, what what are some things that that you would share uh, that that could be helpful to you and or your ministry uh, and or the Baptist Children's Ministry there? I think given in light of our current um, circumstances with regard to the pandemic, there has been, and there has been no cases of COVID in any of the Baptist homes. Um, We have been diligent in trying to keep our residents safe. Um, We have been praying for a hedge of protection uh, around the Baptist home, around the residents and around the staff. But we also have, as part of that, we have uh, based on state guidelines and recommendations, we have limited access to our residents for their families. We are now allowing for visits on the porch with a barrier and distancing and masks, but they still cannot touch. Mm -hmm. And that is really difficult on residents and families, uh, emotionally, physically. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's times are very difficult. And I would ask, that would be one area that I would ask for prayer, is that that God continue to protect the Baptist home and the residents, um, that he would would give families and residents a a peace and an understanding and um, a sense of just just the, the, the assurance, a sense of assurance that they would know that the residents uh, that their family, that their family is uh, being cared for, um, and that, you know, I wish it were different, you know, and, and I, I appreciate the fact that they have all been cooperative in what we're trying to do, and they're all understanding in the way that we're trying to keep the residents, their families safe, 
but it's it's just very difficult. And that that's probably the number one thing on my heart. Sherry, I do appreciate the time that you've taken today and uh, for the audience with the little glitch that we had that that'll uh, you see a different background and that's okay. You know, we, yes. we got the we got the essence of this. And so, Sherry, thank you. Thank you for uh, the Baptist Home hosting this podcast so that this message can get out to all of those and maybe be an encouragement to those that might need care, those that might seek care. If, if they needed that, Sherry, just in closing, how can they get a hold of the Baptist Home? Or you, you said that you go around and, and check out the possibility of residents that, that have filled out an application. How does somebody get in touch with the Baptist Home to begin that process if they are interested? All of our information is on our website at www.thebaptisthome.org. Applications are there, phone numbers are there, emails are there. So that would probably be the easiest way um, to do that or just to give us a call. Again, I I field a lot of questions, um, not just about the Baptist home, but about dealing with mom and issues of aging and and, um, how to cope with those things. So, you know, if, if anybody that needs to talk about those kind of things, even if they're not interested in placement at the Baptist home, um, I'm happy to do that. I do a lot of training outside of the Baptist home. I do training and validation in other, in other areas. So um, just, again, the, the easiest way to, to locate our information would be probably on our website. Okay. Well, thank you again very much, Sherry. And uh, I'll look forward to getting to know you better in the future as well. Okay. Thank you very much, Andy. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome, that's all one word, .org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.